0: In Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 29. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now, with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney
1: Hebrews, chapter 3. In verse 1 it reads wherefore holy brethren and sisteren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our profession and who might that be Christ Jesus So here in Hebrews, give me your attention, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, we are exhorted to give consideration. Are you listening? We're encouraged, exhorted to give consideration to the high priest of our profession, to the high priest of our belief, is what that means. And that's exactly what we've been doing. if you've been around here on Wednesday evening, you know we've been looking at the high priest, the first high priest in ministry, his name is Aaron, and his sons. And we've been parallel Aaron and his sons, the high priest Aaron, with Jesus Christ, our great high priest. That's what we've been talking about. Now, in chapter 27 and 28 and 29, of which we looked at just a bit last time we were together last week, we've been journeying through and gathering in 27, 28, and 29. We've been gathering the materials for the tabernacle and for the high priest and all of these things. And we talked about the making of the Ark of the Covenant. We've talked about the mercy seat. We've talked about the lid on the mercy seat. We've talked about the table of showbread, the menorah, the lampstand. We have been given and talked about a description of the tabernacle itself, its length, its width, its height. The different coverings that were involved in the tabernacle, the golden pieces, the veil of the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place or the holy of holies. We discussed, were you with us, the brazen altar, the priestly garments of the high priest. Last time we talked about the priestly garments in detail, we talked about the ephod, the breastplate, the Urim and the Thumen, which was like uh, two stones, not really sure what they were used for, kind of like, you know, spiritual dice or something. If you will know the will of God, you throw these Urim and Thurim. That's about all we know. And we talked about the robe that the high priest wore. Around the bottom of the robe were bells and pomegranates, bells and pomegranates all the way around the robe. We talked about the headpiece that the high priest wore. And this headpiece had a gold band around it and written on the gold band. Anybody know what it said? Holiness to the Lord. I know y'all were thinking it. And holiness to the Lord. (laughs) The tunic we talked about. The linen coat. The sash. And once they put all of the clothing. On the high priest. And his sons. Then they were to be anointed. Consecrated. And sanctified. They were to be consecrated. So tonight in chapter 29, we actually looked at a little bit of chapter 29 the last time, but I kind of want to go back to verse 1 of chapter 29, because I have some other interesting things I want to tell you about. But what we see here in chapter 29, we come to the consecration and the ordination of the priest. Let me just tell you, give me your attention, please. Let me tell you that this chapter is long, and it isn't the most, let's just say, thrilling chapter in the bible and needless to say it was very difficult for me over the last couple of days to kind of wrap my head around it and uh pull out something and uh we don't know what it is yet (laughs) it's yet to be told and uh but we'll see what the holy spirit gives us but the holy spirit always gives us something more than 10 people need to say amen he is faithful to give us something so uh Let's just kind of drop in and see what he gives us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 29, we pick up. We're going to take big chunks of it, too, by the way, because it is so long and it is so detailed. We're going to take big chunks and then we'll come back and I'll have some words. And I should tell you right up front, I'm not going to elaborate on every single verse. I'm going to get the ones that I feel the Holy Spirit wants us to get tonight. And you are most certainly free to go back and get all you want. Chapter 29, we pick up in verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. And this is what you shall do to them, to hollow, that means make holy, them for ministering to me as priest, God said. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and you shall make them of wheat flour. And you shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall underline this. Wash them with water and then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron, the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate and gird them with the intricately woven band of the ephod. And you shall put the turban on his head and you shall put the holy crown on the turban and you shall take anointing oil, underline that and pour it on his head and anoint him. And then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them and you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons and put the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Underline that. And then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. Underline verse 12 as well. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal, that's dung, you shall burn with fire outside of the camp. Why? Because it is a what, saints? A sin offering. Stop right there. Give me your attention. So what we have here is we are ready at this point to begin the ceremony for consecration and ordination of Aaron and his sons. Consecration and ordination. So we think of consecration, perhaps, I don't know, are you familiar? Consecration in many different denominations mean many different things. I know from the denomination that I came from, they had consecration services. And um, y'all familiar with anybody at consecration service? And uh, not many, so what I'm about to say is meaningless. But uh, <laughs> I'll say it anyway. And uh, these consecration services are intended to, you know, set apart, to, to call, to... A point to recognize, consecrate someone to the ministry. And what they would do in these ceremonies is they might have, I don't know how many ever people up there, and they would lay hands on them, and they actually get that consecration idea from this text. And they would lay hands on the individual, and they would consecrate them or set them apart, anoint them, for the ministry. And they might even pass on. Some even believe that when you lay hands on an individual, you are passing on, if you will, some type of anointing. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and, and I should tell you that, I mean, I, I understand the sentiment and I understand the intent and I do, uh, I, I understand, you know, the Denominations, different denominations do different things. Although I would tell you that you will not find this practice in the New Testament and you will not find this practice uh, in the early church, which is a model for the church today. And, 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 and you can't pass on, and here's what I want to tell you, and, and you can't pass on anointing. With the laying on of hands, the best that you're passing on is germs. (laughs) You understand, you cannot pass on anointing. Anointing is something that comes from God. And you cannot listen, and really, man cannot ordain Do you understand that ordination does not come from it? People come to me from time to time and they'll say, Pastor Rodney, can you ordain me? And I'll tell them, absolutely not. I cannot ordain you. No one can ordain you. Why? Because, listen, ordination comes from God and God alone. It was Jesus who said in John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. You see, God is the only one who can ordain. When man gives you an ordinate, I have staff pastors that I have given an ordination certificate to, but I didn't ordain them. What I did was ratify, watch this, I ratified and recognized what I believed God was already doing in their life. I simply just said, hey, you know what? Hey, I see you have like a a shepherd's heart. And I acknowledge and see that shepherd's heart and say, hey, you must be called to the ministry. You're called to be a pastor. I just acknowledge. I just ratify. I just recognize something that God is already doing. But man can't give you the gift and man cannot anoint you to do the ministry. And I'll tell you something. You can't go to school to get the anointing. That's the truth. If there's one thing, listen, people, can we just get this? Can the church hear me? Can you hear me? You cannot pass on anointing and you can't earn it in a degree. I don't care how many letters you get after your name. Well, I'm Reverend Doctor. And why do we love this name thing? I mean, we we love the title thing. We love the title, A title, man, A title. Who are you? Well, I am Doctor, Pastor, Reverend. <laughs> it goes on and on and on, you know. And you know, people send me mail, and from time to time, and you know, it has Reverend Finch on it. I'm like I don't even, I, I don't like that name, Reverend. I prefer Right Reverend Finch. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, if you put that on there, I might say, hmm, now we're on to something. And, uh, but no, I mean, you can't, you can't get this anointing. You, you can't, you can't earn it. It's something that comes from God or nation. I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute at toward the end of our sermon. But, but we'll, we'll see that Aaron and his sons, they didn't do anything to get this anointing. They didn't do anything to organize the ceremony. They didn't do anything to organize the consecration. God separated himself of people and God did it all by himself. Now you want to notice if you're taking notes, you want to notice four steps to ordination. Go ahead and look at verse four, if you will, four steps to ordination. Number one, do you see it? I had you underline it in verse four, four steps to ordination. Number one, the washing with water. You see that Aaron and his sons, were to be brought to the door of the tabernacle and to be bathed in the presence of the people. Now, this bathing, you got to understand something in the middle of the Sinai, the desert, water is a premium. So this bathing ceremony at the door of the tabernacle, this is a big deal. And we'll also note that they were washed in the presence of the people. So Aaron and his sons were to come, Nadab and Abihu, that's their names, were to come to the door, strip down in front of the people, and be washed. Now, how many of us really want to go in ministry? (laughs) Any any takers? Going once, going twice, I ain't going to wait on you. I mean, some interesting things and I tell you that now to tell you this, as we travel through this chapter, hopefully quicker than I'm going right now. (laughs) You'll see some very interesting things as it relates to ministry. So they were to be washed in the presence of the Lord. In other words, listen, God was teaching the priest. And I think what the Lord is teaching us is, listen, if you're going to go into ministry, you have to take a bath. (laughs) It's a deep spiritual lesson. You need to be washed. If you're going to do ministry, then you need to be clean in the presence of God. You need to be clean. Hey, listen, I can say this in 2007. If you're going to go into ministry, you need to be a Christian. You know how many people are in ministry and not even saved? Rodney, what, what are you saying? I'm saying there are people in the ministry who are not Christians. They do not believe in the Regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. They do not believe in the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. They do not believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Do you know if you don't believe in the virgin birth, we have every reason to question whether you are really a Christian. That's a whole nother path, that's a whole nother sermon. There are plenty of people where they're not washed. They're not clean. They're not even saved. God says, listen, first of all, Aaron, here, get this. Sons, get this. If you're going to go into ministry, number one, you're going to have to be washed. Why? Because God only uses prepared, clean vessels. And before you're used, you must be clean. Secondly, you want to notice, fast forward to verse seven. Notice talking about four steps to ordination. There had to be the anointing. You see that in verse 7 with oil. When a king or a prophet was being anointed, they would be, they'd have oil poured over them. Notice it says in verse 7, and you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head. You see that? So they would pour this oil over the head. It would run down the face and soak the beard and even run down and soak the front of their clothing. And, and, and they would just kind of just pour it. I mean, just dab it. I mean, just really pour it. Unlike what we do today, I mean, I've, again, I've been in consecration or nation services, and we take a little dab of oil, and you know, you know, a little dab of do you? You know what I mean? You're just kind, <laughs> you just kind of, you know. And why is it that we always make the cross? I'm guilty. If I anoint you, if I anointing some of y'all, y'all know I made a little cross right there. Why do we do that? That's just. I don't know why we do that. You know, from now on, if you want to be anointed, you should probably bring like a raincoat. Because 'cause I'm a poor half countable. <laughs> A bucket of oil. I mean, and that's exactly what they would do. They would pour this oil over them, and it would literally uh, just soak them from, from head to toe. And then talking about four steps to ordination, step number three, the animal sacrifice. Go ahead and look at it in verse 10. We just read it. Then you want to get the scene here as Aaron and his sons are present. The people are present, and they would bring a bull before the tabernacle. And Aaron and his sons were to put their hands on the head of the bull and then kill the bull. Step number four. The fourth step was to happen in this ordination service was the anointing with the blood. That's in verse 12. Go ahead and peek at that. Not only was this the ordination service, but also we learn it's called the sin offering. It's a sin offering. Now, as we pointed out, even last week, as we just read it, They would take the bull and they would cut its throat and the blood is to be bled out to the last drop. And then they would fillet the bull and take the fat that covered the entrails and the fatty lobe that was attached to the liver, the two kidneys and the fat that was attached to it. And they would take all of this stuff and they would put it on the altar and the skin and the dung was to be taken outside of the camp and burned You see, if you were to attend this ordination service, you would have actually been repulsed. Remember I told you last week, I said, this is yucky stuff. This really is yucky stuff. This is graphic. It's yucky. It's bloody. And it makes an impression. Why? Because, listen, it's supposed to make, remember, it's a sin offering. It's supposed to make an impression because the sin offering Was supposed to be a repulsive thing because God sees sin as repulsive. God sees sin as repulsive. So God is actually making a statement here. It's a sin offering and it's ugly and it's bloody. And if you were to rate this scene, it would be rated R for restricted because it's ugly, it's nasty, it's bloody. And it really does make an impression. God is teaching them the price for a life of sin, for sin, is the innocent. An innocent bull, sacrificed. And of course, we fast forward to the New Testament, and we know that Jesus, the innocent, was sacrificed for us, the guilty. You see the, you see the connection? The innocent for the guilty. We see that right here in chapter 29. Let's go ahead and look at verses 15 through 18. And you shall also take one ram and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the ram and you shall kill the ram and you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around on the altar. And then you shall cut the ram up in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs and put them with its pieces and with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. And this altar is not an offering, it's not a sin offering. What is it, Saints? It's a burn offering to the Lord. And it's a sweet aroma and an offering made by fire to the Lord. So now we have the burn offering, the burn offering. In the burn offering, they were to take the ram, cut it up in pieces, wash the entrails and the legs, take the head, cut it off, stack it up. Are you guys getting the scene here? This is a stacked up mess on the altar and they were to watch it burn. And it's a burnt offering to the Lord. Now the burnt offering said to them, listen, we have failed. This is what this was to teach them that we have failed to give God our all. This animal now gives its all to atone for our failure. And we've decided to live now Giving our all to God. That's what it spoke of. The fact that we're giving our all to God. And doesn't that sound like stay around with me on Sunday mornings. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, that's give it all, that you present your body a living sacrifice, not a dead one like right here. God's not saying, look, if you're going to be all for me and I'm going to use you and you're going to be a sacrifice for me, then, then, then God's got to cut you up and put you on the altar. God's saying no. In the New Testament, Paul says, I bese- beseech you, brother, in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, not a dead one. But a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what that means? That means it just makes sense for you to give yourself to God. It's your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable. It's reasonable. It just makes good sense. And don't be conformed to this world, verse 2, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Listen, saints, that just makes good sense. For the Christian to give their life to God. Give it all, man. What you holding back for? Well, you know, I just go to church and do the Christian thing, but then, you know, Saturday night I do what I want. You know, everybody has a vice. You know, if everybody's got something that they do. Well, it shouldn't be that way. Maybe it is that way, but it shouldn't be. Christians should give their all to God. Amen. 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 I'm going to keep saying to you say it. Amen. We should give everything to God. I mean, Lord, hear everything. It's a, it's a sacrifice.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.